The New York Giants will have some tough roster decisions to make. Who's going to be on the 53-man roster? Nick Filato and I break down our predictions coming up next on the Locked on Giants podcast. are Locked On Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, New York Giant fans, and welcome to another edition of Locked On Giants, part of the Locked On Podcast family, your team every day. I am Patricia Trena, and as promised, we are doing a special Giants roster building show and that handsome dude that you see on the screen with me is none other than Nick Filato. He is going to help me go through the Giants roster, and we are going to predict who we think is going to make it and who we think will not, and if there will be any surprises along the way. So let's jump right in. Nick, first off, thank you so much for taking the time to come with me on this program. I am looking forward to this exercise. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a lot of fun, Patty. Thank you so much for having me, as always. All right. Well, we are going to go through every single position. Now, I'm not officially going to keep track as to whether or not we have 53, but we're going to talk about some of the roster battles and just kind of how things shake out. Some surprises and all, by the way, I am going to weigh in with my opinion, but we're going to get Nick's opinion. That's the the center part of the show. So, Nick, let us kick this off. We got to start with quarterback. Um, The candidates, obviously, um, Daniel Jones. Mike Glennon and Brian Lewerke. I think we can both both agree that Lewerke was probably going to be practice squad. It'll be Jones and Glennon. I think we, we're both in agreement on that. But rather than gloss over it, let's talk a little bit about Daniel Jones real quick. What is the one area? And by the way, folks, disclaimer, we are taping this before the preseason finale, just for, for what it's worth. But let me ask you about Jones. What is the one area that you think Jones really needs to show in the dress rehearsal against the Patriots? So I'm wondering how much we can read into Daniel Jones's performance against the Patriots, what Bill Belichick and that defense will actually throw at him. But if I had to pick one area, it would be that post-snap processing. And again, I don't know how much we're going to be able to glean from that. Just because we know in the preseason, it's much more vanilla type defenses, much softer zones, not as much exotic pre-snap looks to post-snap actually materializations. That would be my area just going over all of Daniel Jones' 2020 film. It's when his first read isn't there or when his diagnosis is not there from pre to post snap, how does he react? Sometimes he holds on to the football a little bit too long, burps that baby, as they say, pats the football, takes a little bit to get through his progressions. I feel like down the stretch of the season before the injury, he started getting a little bit better with this, but it's still definitely a point of emphasis that I feel like he has to work on heading into the 2021 season. If we go back to 2019, his rookie year, the biggest bugaboo about Daniel Jones was what, Patty? Turnovers, turnovers, turnovers. Jason Garrett talked about it this offseason. He said, we wanted to limit Daniel Jones's turnovers. Guess what? They did. They were able to knock the interceptions down by two, and they were able to drop the fumbles, I believe, by eight in a comparable amount of snaps. Because remember, Eli Manning started a couple of games in 2019, and obviously, Daniel Jones also was injured a little bit in 2019, and then we know the hamstring injury that he suffered in 2020. But at the expense 
of limiting, I guess you could say those turnovers and mistake prone type of plays. I feel like the Giants offense was less explosive as well with Jason Garrett. So that's another thing they have to kind of combat. But to just circle back to your original question, it would definitely be post snap processing when that first read or what he thinks is going to happen does not end up materializing. And that's something that is, I think a lot of quarterbacks who are young struggle with, and a lot of them can kind of overcome that with more reps and things along those lines. But it's definitely something that this is the make or break year that Daniel Jones has to focus on. And we have to see some improvement in that area. If the Giants want to pick up his fifth year option come next May. Yeah. And the other thing to remember about Daniel Jones, year two in this system should be a little bit more comfortable than he was last year, having worked through it, actually done it, you know, knowing what to do and actually doing it, two very different things. So hopefully Daniel Jones, a lot, com- I mean, he's looked comfortable, I think, in, in the uh, training camp practices, but uh, holding on to the ball over 2.5 seconds can't really have that because the longer you're holding the ball, the less chance, you know, you're going to have those windows open for you to throw the ball down the field. So yes, I agree with you getting the ball out of the hand quickly, making quicker decisions post snap and above all avoiding the turnovers, two very big areas for Daniel Jones. And I think we might see some of that in, in the preseason game, but we of course will have to see just how, you know, how many snaps he gets, how many opportunities he gets and what he does with them. So that's, we agree on that. All right, let's look at running back. Now running back, I think is also pretty much set, but let's talk about it anyway. We've got Saquon Barkley, Devonta Booker, Corey Clement, Gary Brightwell, and Sandro Platzgummer. And I'm going to throw in the fullbacks here because they're kind of part of the, the, the group without being part of the group. But I have a reason why I'm throwing them in, which I'll get to in a moment. So we've got Eli Penny and Colin Gillespie up. Now, we can agree probably that Barkley, yes. Devonta Booker, yes. Can we agree that Corey Clement is going to be on this roster? Can we say that Gary Brightwell is going to edge out Sandro Platzgummer? And who from the fullback group are we going to put on this roster? So let's talk about it. So I actually have it. I have three running backs and two fullbacks. So I have five out of the total. So I actually am one of the people, and I feel like, I'm not 100% sure if you agree with me, but just reading into how Joe Judge has the special team set up, I actually have Eli Penny and Colin Gillespie making this roster with Saquon Barkley, Devontae Booker, and then Corey Clement with Gary Brightwell. And and I really went back and forth on this because I honestly, I will not be shocked if Gary Brightwell does end up making this roster. But I have him as a practice squad guy as of now. I think the Giants probably liked what they saw from him in the second preseason game in terms of being a receiver out of the backfield. I felt like he showed some natural ability with his hands and just how he ran routes in the flats. I thought that was solid. But Corey Clement, I have edging Gary Brightwell out just by a little bit in this scenario. And I know the argument could be Corey Clement's fumbling issues. He has had fumbling issues in his career. I want to say he's fumbled. It's like one in every 35 touches or, or something like I that. I think it's which 33. Is, yeah. 33. That is a lot of fumbles, Patty. That is, a, that is a lot of fumbles, but he's also pretty solid in pass protection. Something that we've kind of um, wrote about a lot at a, at giants country. So I, uh, that's how I had it broken down. I'm interested to see how you did. Did you have four running backs with Gary Brightwell also making it because of his special teams impact? And did you go two fullbacks, Patty? I did not go two fullbacks initially. What I did was I had Sandra Platzcomer, you know, they've got an exemption on him. So I, I don't have him in my final 53. Gary Brightwell, I have practice squad. 
I went with four, but I was contemplating adding Galaspia because it all depended on Barkley. Now, Barkley is not going to play in Sunday's preseason game. Um, I'm not sure if he's going to be ready for week one. And if he is ready, how much is he going to be able to do? You know, the Giants have been increasing Eli Penny's touches, which I find very interesting. So that to me sounds like they want to maybe increase his versatility. Now, he's obviously a core special teamer. Um, He's a guy who out of the backfield as a receiver is a nice little option. I think he has like 84.1%. He's caught 84.1% of his uh, career pass targets, which you can't ignore. Not that he's going to be a big time pass target for the Giants, but, you know, just in case you need to dump something off. So I definitely have him making my my roster. I don't know, though, if they can afford to keep two fullbacks. I, I get the value that Gillespie brings to special teams, but I don't know that they can keep four because of the injury situation. Now, what I can see happening, because remember, let's let's clarify something here. This is the initial 53. This is not the final carbon stone 53. This This roster that we see on Tuesday is going to be turned over at the bottom. You know, we're going to see guys coming and going. So I don't know that I would keep two fullbacks initially. I think I would keep the three running backs, Barkley, Booker, and Clement, and Penny, the fullback, because I'm going to need, I think, reinforcement at some other positions where there are injuries. Yes. One specifically is tight end, which we'll get into in a Mm -hmm. little bit. And it's something that we actually saw last year. It's Elijah Penny, he was incredibly versatile. And we saw them giving him uh, running back carries, halfback carries as well in the Browns preseason game. He actually has executed the role as an H-back on those counter runs that Jason Garrett loves to employ so much. The GH counter with the backside guard pulling the kick out and then the H-back leading to block. It's something Caden Smith did really well. That was his role last year in terms of really run blocking predominantly for that predominant run play that the Giants love to run. I We've also saw... Elijah Penny run that same play in the past. I'm wondering if they think him or Gillespie could be options if something were to happen to Caden Smith or any of the other tight ends. Kyle Rudolph is coming off of an injury, Evan Ingram, because that position group right now, after Rice and John's injury, after Levine Toilolo's injury, after Cole Hickettini's injury, it's not looking deep. And I can easily see the Giants poaching somebody off waivers after a young tight end is cut on another roster. Yeah, agree. Now, actually, since we're talking about tight ends, let's go to that next position. Uh, so we have Caden Smith, we have Nakia Griffin Stewart, Jake Hausman, Kyle Rudolph, and of course, Evan Ingram. Uh, Ingram, Rudolph, and Smith, I think, are givens. But Kyle Rudolph, just off the pup list, uh, this, well, actually, next, last week, excuse me, uh, came off, I believe it was Wednesday, not playing in the preseason finale. Um, he has said he's going to be ready, but how much can we really realistically expect from him? I don't think a whole lot initially. And then here's the other thing, you know, last year, the giants kind of got lucky. I think with Evan Ingram getting through the full year, now you've got the 17 game season. I don't think I like the odds of both Rudolph and Ingram making it through the 17 game season healthy. I mean, I hope I'm wrong, but I'm not sure I would, I would take those odds. So that said, This might be a position where maybe you keep an extra tight end. I don't know, especially given Rudolph coming off of the pup list and not really being ramped up as as long as, say, Saquon Barkley has and some of these other guys. So what would you do here at at the tight end spot? 
So for this, uh, just talking about, we talked about the fullbacks and how some of them may be able to execute some of those H-back type roles. I only have three tight ends with the caveat that I can easily, as I said a little bit earlier, the Giants could poach another tight end off of waivers because I think it's a it's a position that Jason Garrett and the Giants are going to prioritize. Like Originally, I believe a lot of people speculated they would carry four tight ends anyways, and that was back when Levine Toilolo was healthy. He goes down. It's like, okay, maybe they'll carry Rice and John or Cole Hickettini. Both of them go down in the meantime, and now we're looking at Kyle Rudolph coming off of a foot injury, Evan Ingram, who has been injury-prone throughout his career, and then Caden Smith. And you love to run 13 personnel packages, 12 personnel packages, something we're probably going to see a solid amount this year. Maybe not as much as 2020, but still a solid amount. I think they're going to want to go and investigate uh, the tight end position if they don't choose um, Griffin Stewart or Hausman. And I have Hausman on the practice squad right now. So the only three I have here are Ingram, Rudolph, and Smith. And that's problematic. And I do believe they will go and try to get somebody from the waivers, like I said. Yeah, and that's where, you know, keeping two fullbacks, like you said before, makes sense, you know, just in case they don't find somebody that, you know, strikes their fancy. Because remember, when building the roster, um, if it is a veteran, you want to wait till week two, because if you don't, then the guy's salary is guaranteed throughout the year. So if you wait till week two, then if you need a rental, so to speak, that's why you see a lot of teams bring in veterans in week two of the season. So it depends on how... um, how far off Kyle Rudolph is. And, and again, I, I, I think they're going to have to add at that spot, but, but yeah, I, I could see the two, the two fullbacks and, and the three tight ends. I, I don't think that's going to be a spot where the giants are going to try and steal from to add to that, that tight end depth. So now a spot that I do think the giants are going to be able to benefit from and carry an expanded group is going to be at wide receiver. So, okay. The locks we have Kenny Galladay, we have Darius Slayton. We have uh, Sterling Shepard. Kadarius Tony's going to make it, even though he hasn't done much this summer. I think CJ Board is a lock. So that gives us five. So now it's up to, okay, do they keep six or seven? And then amongst them, who's it going to be? Is it going to be David Sills, Austin Mack, Damian Willis? Is it going to be Dante Pettis, Alex, excuse me, Alex Bachman, or Matt Cole? Me personally, I think Sills and Cole are the two if they go with seven. Yes, and I can see Cole because of his special teams value. And I would agree, CJ. I don't. I wouldn't say CJ Board's a lock, but I have him on my roster as well. And I kept seven here, and it ended up being David Sills and John Ross, actually. And I wanted to kind of get your take on John Ross because mm-hmm. he's somebody not a lot of people are talking about because he's been dealing with an injury. And we saw early in camp, there was a lot of hype. And he's somebody that I feel like really is buying into the Giants culture. And he does offer a slightly different thing than a lot of these other receivers, just that elite speed. We're talking about combine setting type of speed, but he hasn't been all that available. Is he somebody that they're going to try to put on the pup? Is he somebody that's going to get relegated to the IR or does he just flat out get cut? Because I don't really have a a strong inclination that way. And I'm not 100% certain when he's going to be fully healthy. Yeah. So the, the thing with, with John Ross, who I forgot to mention, by the way, because that just goes to show you, I don't have him on my 53. John Ross has been dealing with, I believe, a hamstring injury. He is not eligible for the pup. The guys, the only guys who are eligible for pup are guys who are currently on pup, unable to pass a training camp physical. So, you know, a guy like Aaron Robinson, who we'll talk about later, he's going to be eligible for the pup. What John Ross is at Uh, eligible for is IR, but they have to add him to the roster 
and then wait until the next day before they can move him to IR and then they can manipulate guys around. So is there a possibility where they can, they do that just to protect themselves? Absolutely. Because remember, you only have to keep a guy on, on IR for three weeks instead of six, and you can bring back as many guys as you want. You're not limited to the two or, th- or actually it's three now and under the current CBA because of, you know, the COVID rules still being in effect. So that said, I could see the Giants going that route by maybe putting Ross ahead of Cole, um, just taking the gamble there because I don't know that anybody's going to snap Cole up. And then, you know, if you can sneak him through waivers and then just say, okay, you know what, John, you're not ready to go yet because you're not healthy. We're going to put you on IR and then swap out Ross for Cole. I could see that scenario playing out. That's something that I I was thinking was going to actually happen with Matt Cole specifically because I mean, we, we talk ad nauseum about Joe Judge and special teams. And I feel like the entire NFL realizes the value of special teams, but the Giants really buy into it. And we can see that by them allocating roster spots to players like C.J. Board, who is a solid receiver. He's not a bad receiver, but he's not going to be making this team for his receiving capabilities. He's going to be making this team because he's a really darn good gunner on punt team. And that's probably why a lot of us who cover the Giants believe he's going to make the team because him and another player we're probably going to go over later will be the one and the two gunners on that punt team. And that really, really helps your ability to win field position, which is that third phase of playing football, offense, defense, special teams. Field position is gigantic with special teams and the punt coverage team, CJ Board and that other guy that we're probably going to go over him. Imagining you may have him on your roster as well. I mean, those two will be valuable assets to the special teams unit. So I had the seven with Ross and Sills. And I think that what everything that you just articulated might be the um, the course of action for the Giants. John Ross is a bigger name than someone like a Matt Cole. So if you put Matt Cole down there, maybe he's not going to get scooped up. But John Ross, that's somebody who can come in and kind of grab him. You're probably going to have to cut bait with him if he doesn't make this uh, this 53. Right. And if I'm not mistaken, I think John Ross has some guaranteed money in his contract. So I could see them keeping him and maybe sliding him to the IR list if that hamstring is still an issue. Um, you know, because the other thing you got to remember, you know, Tony... Um, I believe has a hamstring strain. I think that's what I, what he's dealing with, you know, Galladay should be okay, but he's got the hamstring as well. So the depth, the giants got quality there, I think, but they've got a couple of guys who are banged up. So to me to keep seven would make sense at the expense of keeping one less tight end. Like we talked about before. So, you know, injuries, definitely influence, um, you know, numbers at certain positions. And I think this is definitely going to be a case where, you know, the Giants are going to have to maybe keep an extra guy, even though, you know, chances are, like you said, CJ board is only going to get a game day uniform for a special teams play. Um, you know, whoever is the seventh receiver, he may not be active or he may be active. We don't know. He just might be insurance, but, uh, certainly some roster finagling going to take place there at the bottom of the receiver depth chart. I wanted to ask you too about David Sills because he's been the talk of the camp. He's the one who's really, really interesting, and he kind of fits the mold of that prototypical X we talk about about six foot four plus six foot five, two hundred and twenty pounds around there, two fifteen. With Kenny Galladay kind of ailing right now with the hamstring, do you think he may earn a roster spot because there is no guarantee on Galladay's health? Or do you think it's just because of the pure work ethic that he's put in? Because it doesn't seem like he has as much special teams value as some of these other players who may not make the roster. 
I think it's a combination. I mean, I think if Kenny Galladay isn't ready to go, you want to have a, an X receiver. And, you know, Daniel Jones has looked comfortable throwing to David Sills and he, he's, his work ethic has been tremendous. Now that said, if you have a healthy Kenny Galladay, you're not going to see Sills get a lot of targets. I don't think during the regular season, not with, you know, Shepard and Slayton and Galladay and then Ingram and Rudolph and Barkley ahead of them. I, so that's where it becomes a little, you know, iffy for me with keeping Sills on the roster. But I think initially I could, I can make a, a case for him being on that 53 man roster. So yeah, good for him too. I mean, you yeah. talk about a guy who's been traveling the country following yep. Daniel Jones and that's hard work paying off. Yes, it is. And if nothing else, he's put together some solid film this year. So he will, I think, if it if not on the Giants for the entire season, he will end up someplace and he will make an impact on a team that maybe doesn't have a legitimate X receiver. But uh, really happy to see that that's been one of the heartwarming camp success stories, I think, from uh, from the Giants. Hey, Giant fans, we have plenty more coming up on this edition of the Locked on Giants podcast. But first, North One is better banking for small business owners. Serving small business owners is all they do. North One allows you to manage your money from anywhere. Whether you're at home or on the go, everything you need to manage your business's finances is at your fingertips. Never step foot in a bank branch again. In addition to the features you'd expect, like mobile check deposit, cash withdrawals, the ability to send and receive ACH and wire payments, North One is an FDIC insured account that can save you both time and money. North One integrates with the accounting software you already use, saving you hours of manual bookkeeping. And with North One's envelope feature, you can automatically budget and save for things like rent, payroll, taxes, and more. With North One, you'll never pay overdraft or NSF fees again, saving you hundreds of dollars per month. To get started, visit apply.northone.com slash locked. That's A-P-P-L-Y dot N-O-R-T-H-O-N-E dot C-O-M slash L-O-C-K-E-D. North One, business banking made for America. Hey, Giant fans, it's that time of year again, and all eyes are now turning to football as teams are back on the gridiron for the football season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. Get all the updated odds, props, and contests, including the half-million-dollar NFL Mega Contest and the $200,000 NFL Survivor Contest. Open now at Bet Online. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus when you use the code LOCKEDON. Be sure to take advantage of their opening day super promo. Make a bet on the Thursday, September 9th season opener between the Super Bowl champion Buccaneers and the Dallas Cowboys. And if you lose, your wager will be refunded up to $25. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports from football, basketball, boxing, right to horse racing. Don't wait to take advantage of all the great offers for the 2021 season. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, Nick, we have got to talk about the offensive line. Everybody loves the offensive line. Okay, so let's take a look at what we have here for the offensive line. 
projected starters, Matt Paert at right tackle, Will Hernandez at right guard, Nick Gates at center, Shane Lemieux at left guard, Andrew Thomas at left tackle. The backups, Nate Solder, offensive tackle, Chad Slade has been a guard tackle. I think he's played a lot of uh, tackle more so. Jake Burton, Ted Larson, Jonathan Harrison would will probably be the backup center. Brett Hedgie, I think, will go to practice squad. Kenny Wiggins, who's been um, all over the place, I think, guard and tackle. Um, and then you have Jackson Barton. I think the Giants keep nine offensive linemen. Um, you have the starting projected five. Harrison would be six. Solder, seven. And then I uh, Larson would be eight. And then I don't know if the Giants have the ninth guy on the roster yet. My concern with the offensive line, and you tell me if you agree, is with the depth of tackle. You know, Solder is dealing with the shoulder injury. Uh, Matt Paert has looked okay, just, you know, had some rough patches, I think, here and there. I'd be a little bit more concerned, I think, about the tackle spot than the interior. I think the addition of Larson helped the interior. You know, the return of Jonathan Harrison helped the backup center spot. But tackle leaves me a little bit queasy. What do you think about that? I'm queasy with the entire depth, if I'm going to be fully honest with you. I do believe you're definitely onto something there with Ted Larson's addition. I think that that's probably a better replacement than a Kenny Wiggins type. And Jonathan Harrison coming back healthy, he showed that he was capable in the Browns game. But I'm not uh, I'm not going to say I'm fully sold on either quite yet. And it's because of we just haven't seen it. And that's not their fault. So I don't really want to knock them for that. But the way I look at this offensive line situation in general, Patty, I'm not fully sold on any of the starters. Now, I think Andrew Thomas is going to be a good player. I think he has the capability to be a good player. I like what I saw from Nick Gates last year. Shane Lemieux struggled significantly in pass protection. Matt Pear, I cannot buy into that. And Will Hernandez has had an up and down career as a left guard. Now he's transitioning to the right guard. So none of this with the inconsistencies that Thomas had at left tackle really gives me a great feeling. I think you can project forward and try to prognosticate and say, okay, these guys will develop under Rob Sale. That's all well and good, but we haven't seen it quite yet. But if any of those starters that I don't feel great about get hurt, I feel significantly worse. And that's an indictment on the depth that the Giants have all across the board. Because if Parrott doesn't work out, you're relying on Nate Solder, who we haven't seen since 2019, and he wasn't good in 2019. Now he was dealing with an injury, presumably, but now he's two years older and hasn't played in a year. That's not something that's great necessarily. And then you have the interior offensive line against guys like Aaron Donald and not even Aaron Donald against normal, regular starters who are just, you know, average NFL players going up against guys like Ted Larson and Jonathan Harrison, relying on that for an extended period of time does not give me a a great feeling if I'm going to be perfectly honest. So the depth with this entire offensive line concerns me, the starting offensive line concerns me a little bit. This is something, Patty, that we were talking about back in June, mm-hmm. back back in May after the after the draft. We had a whole podcast about it. So I'm still concerned. And I think that they could take steps forward. You really can't take many steps back because they were the 32nd ranked offensive line by some metrics, pro football focus being one of them. But at the end of the day, it's I don't think it's a great situation. And I think it could be the Achilles heel to the Giants 2021 season with Jason Garrett, who still needs to kind of adapt his play calling ability. And Daniel Jones, who needs to take steps forward. How is Daniel Jones going to take significant steps forward if the offensive line can't block for him? So it, it doesn't look great. I'm not saying that it's all doom and gloom. 
but I'm not a, I can definitely see them carrying nine. I have eight on this roster right now, but more so because I think they're going to claim somebody off waivers who was released, whether that be a younger guy or a veteran. I'm not entirely sure. I think that's going to end up happening. The guys that I have though, are Thomas Parrott, Solder, Hernandez, Lemieux, Gates, Ted Larson, and Harrison. But I do believe at the end of the day, they're probably going to carry nine, but it's not going to be anybody. I think that's on this roster right now. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. And a matter of fact, I'll even go so far as to wonder, would the Giants maybe package one of those extra seventh round draft picks now that they have? They're going to probably get the, the Panthers seventh rounder in the trade from Ryan Santoso. Um, so might the Giants look to maybe acquire an offensive lineman off a, a team that has an excess amount? You know, I, I posed a question to uh, to our Cleveland podcaster and writer out there. I said, you know, the Browns have a lot of good depth um, on the offensive line and guys who are not going to make it. And, you know, the Giants got an opportunity to scout those guys up close and personal as they did against the Patriots. So I'm just wondering if maybe the, the offensive lineman who's not on the roster, who I think we all can agree is coming, might come from one of those two teams. Very well could. I mean, the Giants got that up close and personal look, like you said, and the Browns, they have um quite a few. So I would definitely invite that. And they also have a coach over there who is excellent coach in the offensive line, Bill Callahan, who uh, is not the biggest fan of Jason Garrett, if I'm not mistaken. And that's one of the many reasons why he didn't want to come to the New York Giants. But offensive line coaching is huge. Hopefully Rob Sale, that's a fine there. And I guess time will tell. Yeah, but I agree with you. I'm I'm still a little queasy about the offensive line. I know the Giants, they keep saying that, you know, everything's going to be fine. They're another year of experience, but it kind of reminds me of that scene. I think from, I think it was from Animal House where, where the guy's standing, you know, remain calm all is well. And it's like, uh, I, I don't think I can quite get there yet. I, I need to see more from that unit. And especially from the starting unit, we've only seen what about a dozen snaps or so in the first preseason game and none last, last week. So the, Third preseason game is going to be a big one for that group. And especially, you know, with picking up stunts, which was a problem for this unit last year. Yeah. Um, pass blocking, you know, was inconsistent. You never knew when, where the leak was going to spring. And then the run blocking is going to have to be, you know, a lot better than what it's been certainly this uh, summer. Absolutely. And Patty, too, if we go back to the draft, remember what the Giants brass was saying. They're saying, oh, we're comfortable with the guys we have. We're comfortable with the guys we have. I just hope we don't look back on that in like week three and be like, oh, that was just pure coaching hubris. They just thought they could coach these guys up and it was just a total miscalculation. And again, sink the entire 2021 season, sink Daniel Jones' career. It, it, it could have catastrophic effects on what can actually end up happening. There's is there a team in the NFL right now, Patty, that has a wider range of outcomes than the New York Giants? I can't think of one. <laughs> Neither could I. I. You know, and everybody keeps saying, you know, and, and it's a popular topic, the offensive line. You know, what's going to happen? Are they going to be okay? And I'm like, look, they see them every day. So, uh, but then again, would they really sit there and tell us and say, oh my God, we got problems at this position or that position? No, they're not going to tell us, but I think if you pay attention and you read the tea leaves, you can kind of tell if they're feeling as queasy as we are about the unit and certain positions. And, you know, everybody keeps asking me, well, Judge said he was going to, you know, they were going to add some talent, you know, some depth. Where, where's the depth? And I keep telling people, look, there's right now, there's really nobody out there. You know, if there was, they would have added somebody. And plus the fact that they got some of these injured guys back is why they haven't added anybody yet. But I do think, that somebody's coming. I don't know who, I don't know from what team. 
I think tackle is something they're going to have to address. And, you know, by the way, I'm also a little concerned about Shane Lemieux's knee because, you know, that was supposed to be a minor injury. I think he came back and, yeah, I don't know that he's going to play Sunday night. So is he going to be okay? And, or is that knee going to be a lingering issue for him? You know, this is a guy who last year pass blocking was not one of his better strengths. Run blocking was fine. You know, pass blocking, not so much. So how much is that knee injury going to affect him? So a lot of question marks. A lot of question marks. And what I would say, Patty, is they usually tell us through their transactions how they feel about their position groups, unless there's value out there and they just feel like they can go and add like a good depth piece. But usually they tell us through their transactions. And this offseason with the offensive line, there hasn't been many transactions. Then again, they didn't anticipate having two retirements. So, I mean, that, they did that's, not see that's yes. a whole other thing too with the Joe Looney yes. and, and Zach Fulton. Zach mm-hmm. Fulton wasn't somebody that at least I didn't want to rely on just because mainly his 2020 film was pretty horrendous. And then Joe Looney was somebody I was really excited about. And then, you know, I drank a cool. cup of coffee and he was gone. So, yeah, yeah, I was excited about his addition as well. And I was like, when I saw he was gone, I was like, oh, that's not good. So, you know, We'll see what comes of that offensive line, but I don't think they're anywhere near being done with that that unit. I, you can't be. You absolutely cannot be. So let's hope that they don't sink the ship, so to speak, right? Let's hope. <laughs> All right, Nick. Let us go now to the defensive side of the ball. Let's start with the defensive line. Now, this, is, this spot actually, I think, got a little interesting the last several days. So we'll talk about both the uh, the defensive ends and the nose tackles. So we've got Dexter Lawrence, B.J. Hill, David Moa, Willie Henry, Elijah Qualls at uh, defensive end. And I know there's others, right? Am I missing somebody? I'm missing Leonard Williams. Oh, okay, defensive tackle. We got Leonard Williams, Raymond Johnson III. Nose tackle, we have Austin Johnson and Danny Shelton. I think at this spot, they keep five. Aaron, the five would be, and I'm kind of looking at the Giants depth chart, so it's a little out of order here, but the five would have to be Dexter Lawrence, I think Leonard Williams, um, Austin Johnson, those three for sure. Um, I would say probably BJ Hill, and I would probably say Danny Shelton, but I'll tell you what, I am very tempted. I like what I've seen out of Raymond Johnson. And I wonder if maybe the Giants might look to move, say, for example, B.J. Hill, who really has seen his snaps kind of decrease, you know, ever since Leonard Williams came on board. Maybe, I don't know, maybe they look to move him in a trade. What do you think? Maybe swap a defensive lineman for an offensive lineman. I don't know if that's that's feasible <laughs> or not. But I think, you know, Raymond Johnson, he, he's tied for the team league with David Moa, by the way, who I'd love to see them be able to keep in one some way, but I don't think they're going to be able to, but Raymond Johnson tied for the team lead through two preseason games in pressures with six, according to pro football focus. So I just wonder, is there going to be room for this kid or do you maybe just say, okay, maybe we move Danny Shelton off the roster because he's been kind of quiet. I I mean, to me, BJ Hill would make the most sense to move off the roster if you're going to try and bring Raymond Johnson on. I mean, what do you think? So I have them having five as well. And in terms of BJ Hill, I have him making this roster. I think his skill set suggests that he would. But I think that's an interesting uh, thing that you just proposed there, Patty, because BJ Hill is in his last year of his contract. I don't know if they're going to be able to get 
a, a quality offensive lineman for BJ Hill, just because offensive linemen are so much harder to find than a defensive lineman. I like BJ Hill. He played nose tackle at North Carolina State. So he has that within his arsenal, although that's not his, I would say, true skill set. I think he's more of a three technique and a four down front, which the Giants employ sometimes, but not all the time. They're more of a tight front, three down type of team. But he is somebody who thrives with his upfield burst. He's somebody who thrives with his violent hands and kind of creating separation and actually having pretty solid bend through his lower half for somebody who's about 310, you know? So I, I like what BJ Hill offers. And I think that's something they could look into trading him. I didn't necessarily have it that way in my projections. And it depends, I think, on what they end up getting for someone like BJ Hill. But there are guys, like you said, behind him that I think the Giants may feel comfortable in kind of bringing in. Now, Moa is a little bit more undersized. He's about 275 pounds, six foot three. But Raymond Johnson is a very, very interesting individual as well. And I think he is he has some hybrid type of qualities with the edge defensive tackle, whereas BJ Hill is much more of a defensive tackle. I think he fits that five technique or four eye technique and put him at three technique and tight fronts. If you really, really want to, I think BJ Hill is a, uh, has been an undervalued asset with the New York giants, mainly because the New York giants have had a lot of depth at the defensive tackle position with the likes of Dalvin Tomlinson and Leonard Williams. And then they added Dexter Lawrence. So you look at all those, you're like, that's a lot of really talented players right there. I have BJ Hill just making this roster. I think he'd be a key uh, rotational piece for Patrick Graham's defense. And I think he's going to play more snaps than we've seen him play in the last two years if he stays healthy. That's all I have. But I do think it's an interesting uh, perspective to maybe pitch out, hey, let's see what uh, BJ Hill can fetch in value. But it's a defensive lineman and the value of defensive lineman, I feel like just isn't as great as uh, offensive line and things along those lines. So maybe just trade him for a draft pick. I mean, you know, especially if you're going to have to trade a seventh round pick to maybe get an offensive lineman, then maybe see if maybe you can get a conditional seventh rounder for, for BJ Hill. I mean, to me, Raymond Johnson has just been a nice surprise for this team. You know, David Moa has, has, has looked good too, but as you said, he's, he's a bit on the underside undersized. So I, I don't know that I would put him on my 53, but I can make a case for Raymond Johnson. Definitely. Yeah, and Raymond Johnson, definitely somebody who's been impressing. And I think that you can do a lot of different things with a player like Raymond Johnson. And who would have thought that we'd be talking about Raymond Johnson and David Moa after a couple preseason games? I mean, we've talked a lot, Patty, about all these edge guys and how the Giants added Ryan Anderson and Ifidi Odenabo and Aziz Ojolari and Ellerson Smith. And Aziz has been dealing with some minor injuries, and I'm very excited about him. But here we are talking about Raymond Johnson, how Raymond Johnson, this UDFA, how he's playing well. It's a good situation to find yourself in. Yeah, definitely. If you don't have a lot of competition at all your positions, then your personnel department did not do its job. And the Giants, I think we could say, have a lot of competition at just about every spot. And uh, it's quality. You know, I, I made the comment on Twitter that I can see a lot of the guys the Giants cut landing with other teams, which has not only has been the case the last you know several years. Yes, absolutely. I mean, the depth here, we, we've talked about it before as well. Like guys like Dante Pettis, who we didn't really bring up too much in the wide receiver uh, position. I could easily see him going to another team and, and making that final 53 or being claimed off waivers if the Giants end up not picking him up. But you look at the Giants receiver room right now and you're like, is there room for someone like Pettis? I wouldn't be shocked if he made the team, but it just speaks to the overall depth here of the Giants. There are players that of value that will be let go. And we haven't said that about this team in quite a while. Hey, Giant fans, plenty more still to come here on the Lachlan Giants podcast. But first, 
Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows, you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friends logging for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings you your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, so you can watch all your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part? There's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. Giant fans, we have plenty more coming up on this edition of the Locked On Giants podcast. But first, Built Bar is a healthy, low-carb, low-sugar, and high-protein treat that will satisfy your sweet tooth. Choose from nine amazing flavors plus the occasional limited-time offering available in nut and nut-free varieties. Visit BuiltBar.com and get 15% off your first order with the promo code LOCK15, that's L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5 at BuiltBar.com for 15% off your first order. Nick, let's talk about inside linebacker. Um, I have four guys making inside linebacker um, and the guys that are up for uh, positions, Blake Martinez, Tate Crowder, Reggie Raglan, Carter Coughlin. Devonta Downs. I don't think Devonta Downs makes this roster. I can see the other four guys making it, but I'm just wondering, is it overkill to carry four, given that you have, you know, guys um, on the edge who maybe can play in, in sub packages, some of that inside linebacker type of role? I don't believe it's overkill just because Carter Coughlin is grouped into this. Carter Coughlin, somebody who transitioned from being an edge to linebacker this offseason, and he's showing pretty solid traits at the linebacker position. We saw some mishaps in coverage against the Browns, but I think a lot of that stuff can be cleaned up. He's athletic enough to play linebacker. He's somebody I feel like who can be interesting in nickel sub packages as a, uh, as a blitzer. And we saw it against the Browns when Devontae Downs and Carter Coughlin run that double a gap twist blitz. Carter Coughlin ended up actually being the penetrator hit the center on the outside shoulder, shed the center, and then got the sack on Case Keenum. I think we can actually see that during the regular season. The reason I'm comfortable with four is because if something were to happen to Blake Martinez, I I do I think the continuity of his defense is incredibly, I guess, just it's going to falter if something happens to Blake Martinez. And that's not necessarily an indictment on Tay Crowder and Reggie Ragland. I think both those guys offer different things. I think Tay Crowder is somebody who's kind of growing into his skill set. He was Mr. Irrelevant last year and he gave the Giants pretty significant snaps. But I don't know, I don't believe he's fully there yet mentally. Whereas Reggie Ragland, I think, is there mentally, but athletically, he's not as capable as somebody like Tay Crowder. And then you have Carter Coughlin, who's just transitioning to the position. So he's incredibly raw, but is showing some solid trades. So neither Crowder, Raglan, or Coughlin are really complete players right now, whereas Blake Martinez is one of the more underrated linebackers in the NFL. I'm cool with keeping four just because if something were to happen to Martinez, you kind of want the depth of having someone like Crowder and Raglan to kind of patch together to keep base personnel somewhat, I guess you could say, effective. And I think it could be 
relatively effective, but Blake Martinez's presence is, is just vital to what Patrick Graham wants to do to the run defense because he does so much behind the line of scrimmage. Those tight fronts, he's so great at hunting the ball and kind of playing that cat and mouse game that we talk about sometimes with the running back and finding the ball carrier and then plugging the hole, plugging his responsibility. He's excellent in that role. So I'm actually okay with keeping four in this scenario, especially because one of them is a hybrid edge. Yeah, I, I I agree with you. And I actually thought about that. What were to happen if, God forbid, Blake couldn't play? And they basically have three guys who, who do a little bit of what Blake is able to do. Um, obviously, we don't want to see that happen, you know, with Blake not being able to play. But they do have three guys that, you know, you could take a little bit here. Reggie Ragland, I think, is a two-down backer, a downhill type of thumper. You know, Tate Crowder, not bad in coverage. Carter Coughlin, that versatility, which is going to keep him on this roster. So, you know, really the only guy I think, and I think we both agree that that doesn't have a spot on, on this group is Devonta Downs, who just did not look good in, in preseason week two. Yeah, Downs hasn't, and I'm not trying to like just, you know, bash this guy right now, but he hasn't really looked great since he's been on the Giants. I think he could be a back-end roster guy on another roster just because he offers some special teams value. But we saw a lot of snaps of Devonte Downs last year and there were a lot of mistakes. He's more of a mediocre type of asset in terms of starting defense. And I think the Giants have too much depth to allow someone like Devontae Downs to crack the roster. But on another team, he could possibly make it on a team that's not as deep. Yeah, agree. All right, now let's switch over to the edge position. Now, the edge, they have Lorenzo Carter, Aziz Ojolari, Ifedi Odenabo, Ryan Anderson, O'Shane Zimenez, Ellerson Smith, Cam Brown, Nico Lalos, and Trent Harris. So I have them keeping six. I have Carter, Ojolari, Odenabo, Zimenez, Smith with an asterisk, and I'll explain why in a moment, and Cam Brown. So the reason why I have Smith on this roster is because according to the roster building rules, even though Smith hasn't practiced basically all summer because of a hamstring issue, if they are going to put him on IR, he has to be on the 53-man roster if they want to get him back later in the year. So he has to be on the initial 53-man roster. So um, he's on my initial, um, and I think at some point what I would like to see happen, because Trent Harris, I think, has had a pretty good summer. Yeah. I'd like to see Trent Harris maybe you know, I don't have him making my initial 53, but I could see a swap if Harris doesn't get picked, claimed by somebody else. I could see a swap uh, Ellerson Smith for Trent Harris, and then that would be my six edge guys. I actually have it the same exact way, the same six with the caveat of Ellerson Smith. And I wasn't 100% certain what is fully going on with Ellerson Smith. You seem to have a little bit more insight than I do. And I actually think it could be Trent Harris as well or Raymond Johnson, who I didn't have on my defensive line. I think Raymond Johnson's also somebody who could be considered for that if he doesn't get scooped up. Yeah. Raymond Johnson, I, I think they list him as a defensive line. I mean, a they lot do. of guys are so positionless now. It's like, it's hard, you know, do, do you call them uh, you know, a strong side linebacker or a weak side linebacker, or are they just a, a edge rusher, you know, which reminds me, um, speaking of the injured guys, um, Carter has, uh, He's had his summer interrupted a little bit with, with some kind of ailment. I forget what it was. Zimenez recently just off pop. I think he's going on his third week now that he's off pop. ojolari has been dealing with something. Does that concern you too much to where you say, okay, you know, maybe we try and keep, uh, you know, 
I don't know, uh, Nico Lalos around, you know, I, I think Lalos goes to the practice squad and Cam Brown, I think we can both agree is probably going to be the special teams guy. That's going to be his primary role. So I don't know. Are you tempted to maybe keep another guy, maybe an Anderson who to me hasn't really flashed. He hasn't really flashed and it would, I just don't have the injury insight to, to give a, um, a real statement on that. And I know the giants do if the giants feel like Lorenzo Carter's coming off of a serious injury. If whatever he's dealing with now is not related to that. And it's something that should be fine by week one, same with Aziz Ojolari, then no, just because as we've said, there's going to be some good football players who aren't going to make this squad and six guys at the edge position. That's a solid amount. A lot of these guys are interchangeable. Cam Brown can step back and play linebacker. If you need them to, you can drop guys like, uh, like, Aziz Ojolari and even Lorenzo Carter in the coverage, which we've seen in previous defenses with James Betcher. We saw a lot of Lorenzo Carter in coverage. So a lot of those guys are a little bit more versatile and you could do so many different things. I'm not sure if I would keep seven, especially not if it's Ryan Anderson who hasn't shown that much. Now, if Ryan Anderson balled out this preseason, then maybe we would go in that direction. But it all depends on the injuries of these guys and also how these other players end up playing. And Brian Anderson hasn't necessarily been somebody who has stuck it out. Raymond Johnson is somebody who's a little bit more interesting to me. And yeah, he's listed as a defensive lineman, but again, Patrick Graham's defense and then a lot of modern defenses, a lot of that stuff is very, very flexible. It's very, very fluid. Yeah. That injury situation, I, I've said it before and I said it again, it really, really models these types of projections. But, you know, look, we do the best w- that we can with the information we have. And, you know, uh, to me, keeping, uh, you know, keeping six edge rushers, you can never have too many edge rushers. And, and why not? I think Patrick Graham is creative enough to figure out a way to get a lot of them on the field at the same time. So, We'll see what he comes up with. I know he's probably been in the lab going, ah, you know, just rubbing those hands together saying, I can't wait. So, all right, let's go to the defensive secondary and we'll start. We'll do safeties. I think this is kind of an easy position to to forecast. So you've got Logan Ryan, Jabril Peppers, Xavier McKinney, Julian Love, and Chris Johnson. I have four. Chris Johnson's out. Pretty cut and dried, I, I think, right? Nothing to discuss here. No, nah, not not really. All four of those guys are going to play a significant role on this defense, too. I think Julian Love is the fourth guy who kind of gets forgotten about. I believe that you can do so many different things with Julian Love, and he's going to be a big asset to this defense, despite the fact that he's going to be fourth on the depth chart at safety. Because you can put this guy, honestly, when the Adore Jackson injury happened, Patty, and I want to pick your brain on this, too. And it was a little, it wasn't certain what was going to happen with him. I thought about week one and I was like, who is going to be the starter opposite Bradbury? And the guy that came to my mind, first guy was Julian Love, to be honest. And yeah. that says a lot about his skill set. He's a safety. And we also saw him practice against the Patriots on day two. Darnay Holmes take a bad defensive uh, holding penalty, something he struggled with a lot. The next play, they put Julian Love in the slot. So you could just do so many different things with a player like Love. And I think yes. the Giants love Love. Yes. And I think a lot of people are starting to love, love. Uh, so yeah, no, you make a good point. And, and the Adoree Jackson injury, they think he's going to be okay, but you know, ankles and hamstrings. So soft tissue injuries, no, there's no textbook for those things. You know, you can't say, Oh, the guy will be back in five days or whatever. Every, everybody is different. Every injury is different. And uh, you know, this, the safety group in my mind, on this Giants team is probably the top group position wise, you know, with the versatility, Logan Ryan can play some cornerback if they need him to. Um, 
I think McKinney and Peppers in certain situations, they can get kicked out outside or in the slot if you need them to. And of course, Julian Love can can play inside or outside um, as needed. So I really think the safety group is probably the strongest unit on this team. Would you agree? I would say it's probably that with the defensive line, but the safeties, I mean... I don't want to sit here and say safeties are more valuable than defensive line, but having a really, really strong safety group, especially in a scheme that Patrick Ram runs, where you run so many trap type of coverages and you need, you need safeties who are not only smart, excellent communicators like Logan Ryan, but people who know when and where to be certain places and use excellent timing. And that is Logan Ryan. He does that great up the scene, plays that robber role really, really well and baits younger quarterbacks into a lot of mistakes. And even veteran quarterbacks, we saw it in practice with Mac Jones. Mac Jones tried hitting that scene bender to, I think it was Jonu Smith. Uh, Blake Martinez did a good job kind of carrying him up the scene, but left just enough space for the pass to fall behind. And then Logan Ryan just undercut the route and then took it, which was awesome because Logan Ryan criticized himself and Blake Martinez's play on um, on that Wednesday practice. So it was great to see. I think it was like the second or third play of practice. I'm not there, but I heard it was early in practice. Great to see a big play like that. And you need really, really smart safeties who are all cohesive and on, on the same page with each other. And the Giants have that right now. So, yes, this is probably the strongest position. I think defensive line rivals it really well, though. Yeah, defensive line would have been my 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 1A choice. I mean, for the last couple of years, that's been my top choice. But the safety group this year, this this group just reminds me of the 2011 group with Phillips, Roll, and Dion Grant. And, and I keep writing that and saying that. And I, I just love this group and hope that they can stay healthy because they've got some really smart, versatile guys back there that are going to give Patrick Graham, again, all kinds of options um, with that defense and what he's able to run. So very exciting times coming up and and some of the stuff that we've seen in camp, quite intriguing. I think a, a lot of people are going to like what, what uh, they might potentially be planning to roll out. So, all right, Nick, we got to go to the cornerback spot. Now this one's going to be interesting. So uh, the candidates are James Bradbury, Dory Jackson, Darnay Holmes, Keon Johnson, Rodarius Williams, Josh Jackson, Sam Beal, Aaron Robinson, Jordan Peters, who the Giants added on Friday. Um, I have five Bradbury, Jackson, Holmes, Keon Johnson, Rodarius Williams. I have Josh Jackson going to IR. Um, I, I, you know, and I'll talk a little bit about that more in a second. I have Sam Beal going to the practice squad, Aaron Robinson getting rolled over from active pup to inactive pup and Peters getting cut. Now, Josh Jackson, he was the guy the Giants acquired in the trade with Green Bay for Isaac Yadam. To me, you know, it's no harm, no foul. They, they they got this guy, and if he didn't work out, it's not like, okay, they gave up a draft pick or they have a whole lot invested. You know, they can get rid of him, they can cut him or, you know, put him on IR, and there's not a lot of money invested in him unless they do, you know, reach an injury settlement. Um, Aaron Robinson currently still on PUP, so if he does not pass his physical this is a guy who's going to get rolled over to inactive pup right now in training camp. He's on active pup, which means he counts against the roster. If he is still not able to pass the training camp physical, he will go to inactive pup, meaning he will not count against the 53 man roster, but he also will not be available for a minimum of six weeks. Sam Beal, you know, the fact that they've kept Sam Beal, despite everything going on with him, um, tells me that they are still pretty much enamored with his skill set, but he's missed so much coaching time and so many 
playing opportunities that I think maybe they try and salvage him by putting him on the practice squad. Uh, and, and Jordan Peters, I, I don't know a whole lot about admittedly, but I just don't see him making it. I think Keon Johnson for special teams, definitely. And Rodarius Williams, who I know has been kind of up and down in coverage, but out of the, op- the the remaining guys that I have not making the, the roster at this position, Rodarius Williams, I think, has the strongest chance. So what do you think? So I have them keeping six, Bradbury, Dory Jackson, Darnay Holmes. I have Rodarius Williams in there. I have Keon Crossan in there. But I have Madre Harper in there with the caveat that the pro scouting department is going to look at Everybody around the league and say who is our highest rated cornerback and bring him in probably over Harper. I think we've heard some negative comments from the coaching staff. Jerome Henderson talked about if I think it was I think he said and you can correct me if I'm wrong. We're not sure if we could trust him, and I'm not sure if that's because of his disciplinary actions on the field because we've seen him take some bad penalties in the limited amount of time that we've seen Madre Harper or technically technique wise, which we've also saw against the Browns. He had the PVU, which was also poor technique and just a bad throw by Case Keenum on that second and goal. And then on fourth and goal, he used the wrong technique again, went for the football with his far hand, the hand that was supposed to be kind of on the receiver, subtly kind of influencing the receiver. And then you're supposed to go up with that near hand. He used the wrong technique and it ended up being a touchdown. Granted, it was a great throw by Case Keenum and a great catch by the receiver. But that's some some just mental lapses that he's had in multiple ways for this defense. So I don't really actually think he's going to be on that final 53, but I put his name down with that caveat that they're probably going to get somebody else from another team. And I really, really debated hard on, hey, could be Josh Jackson, but I think he's dealing with a calf injury right now, if I'm not mistaken, and we haven't seen anything from him, or could possibly be Sam Beal, somebody who we've seen struggle a lot, hasn't been great reports. I heard that he had a solid practice on Thursday, which is all well and good. But I think when you look at Madre Harper, somebody who has had special teams value, somebody who has played in the slot and somebody who has played cornerback who has the size that they like. And if he could just control his demeanor a little bit better, maybe it would be a help him a little bit more, but uh, that's why I kind of chose him. But again, I don't think he's probably going to make the final 53 after all the other cuts. Yeah. You know, the thing about Harper and, and you're right, he's just, he had in, in defense, defensive snaps hasn't really stood out there. I think initially the reason why the Giants were so drawn to him was because of his special teams play. That said, they've added Keon Crossan, who I think is one of those guys that just gets a spot. You know, I know there was talk about Nate Ebner coming back. I don't think that's going to happen. I, I think if that was going to happen, it would have happened by now. So maybe later in the season, I don't know, but I don't get the impression that Nate Ebner is going to be back for the 53, the initial 53 man roster, but Harper, I, I always got the impression they liked him on special teams and thought that he might have some development stuff, but Joe judge has shown that he's not afraid to keep guys just for special teams value on the roster. And that's why I'm not so sure I have Harper, you know, I, I can put him on my 53, not with Keon Cross and uh, a guy who judge coached in new England before, you know, the kid was, was sent over to the Texans. I think, you know, you, you can't have, to me, you can't have um, two guys who are specifically going to be special teams only, you know, and the, the Adoree Jackson injury kind of worries me a little bit. Um, they say he's going to be fine, but again, you just don't know. We have, I think, a couple weeks before the regular season opener, but 
you know, right now the depth at that position is a little nerve wracking. I could see the Giants adding somebody, as a matter of fact, to that group, maybe at the bottom of the of the depth chart there, just to boost it up. And that's going to tell us a lot about where potentially Adoree Jackson is. I think they should add somebody, even if Adoree Jackson is 100% healthy, because Harper's not on there because of his special teams value in, in my projections. He's on there because everybody else is injured and there's not a lot of depth here. Like I think it would have been Quincy Wilson. And I think if mm-hmm. the Giants never traded Isaac Yidem, it would have been Isaac Yidem, to be honest. And yeah. the fact that they ended up trading him, and I'm not knocking them for trading. They didn't know all these injuries would kind of hit the cornerback position, but those injuries ended up hitting the cornerback position. And now you're like, well, who's going to be that sixth guy? You want to have a deep rotation. I mean, if we go back, and I know Darius Williams has had a good camp and has been up and down in the games, as you said. But if we go back to earlier in the offseason, not a lot of people were projecting Rodarius Williams to really crack this roster. And now he's like, okay, this is somebody who could possibly start if a Dory Jackson isn't available. I mean, yeah. it's it's not a it's not a great situation right now in the cornerback room. Hopefully a Dory Jackson is fully healthy. Hopefully they can bring somebody else in that's not Madre Harper. I think Keon Carlson is locked in as that other gunner along with CJ Board because he was excellent for the Texans in that role. He was really, really good, like surprisingly good. So I think he's locked into that, but I don't think they really want him taking defensive snaps. So you need to find somebody who's going to be reliable if the Giants suffer an in-game injury to, you know, a Darnay Holmes or a James Bradbury or an Adoree Jackson. You need to have some stronger depth there than what the Giants currently have on their roster. Hopefully Aaron Robinson can get ready by some point, but I think you're right. I think he's just going to end up being on that six-week pup inactive list. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And and uh, I think you're right. I mean, quarterback along with offensive line Two very concerning positions for the Giants right now. I think if you're Dave Gettleman, you're probably going to be very, very, you know, paying close attention to the waiver wire and maybe looking to acquire somebody. You know, I had I had somebody send me a letter to the editor saying, "Why are they bringing in all these cornerbacks? Why aren't they doing the offensive line?" This is why they're bringing in all these cornerbacks because the depth is just they've got. Quantity, excuse me. They have quantity, but the quality, I think it could be a little bit better. So, all right, Nick, special teams, pretty, you know, that's pretty cut and dry, but I do want to, you know, and just real quick, the special teams, obviously, Graham Gano, Riley Dixon, Casey Kreider, those are your specialists. But let's quick talk about the return specialists. You know, John Ross initially started camp as the, um, it looked like he was one of the returners that they were eyeballing. Um, he's been sidelined. Who do you think becomes the primary kickoff returner? Not that I guess it matters much because a lot of kickers put it out of the end zone anyway, but your primary kickoff return choice and your primary punt return choice. See, I find this interesting because I'm not really 100% certain where the Giants are going to go with this. I, I, I don't necessarily have a strong beat on it. We've seen it be Dante Pettis in the past, but we don't have Dante Pettis on the roster here. We've seen it be Corey Clement. He struggles with fumbles. Is Joe Judge really going to do that? Like, We've seen Jabril Peppers as a punt returner. I can see that still happening. If John Ross is back, I can definitely see John Ross. He has that playmaking ability, but he's also somebody who's struggled with pretty significant injuries throughout his entirety of his career. If you go back to the University of Washington, he had a lot of injuries as well. I don't have a name, but I think for kickoff return from what we saw last year was Deion Lewis because Deion Lewis was presumably a safe option who wasn't going to turn the football over, who was smart, who can get you some yardage here, but doesn't necessarily have the burst. That could be the course of action the Giants end up going with here for kick return. For punt return, 
I think Kadarius Tony, if he if he's up to speed and all of that, I think it can easily be Kadarius Tony or Jabril Peppers. But I don't have a strong conviction either way, and I'm actually interested to see what you uh, what you have to say as well. Well, Deion Lewis retired. I'm no, no, sure. I know that. I'm saying last yeah. year Deion Lewis right, was the right. was so, the kick returner. Kick but, returner. I mean, I would think you know again a lot of times the kickers are just booting the ball out of the end zone. So I don't want to downgrade the importance of the position, but you could probably put a receiver back there, I would think, and just tell him, look, just catch the ball and take a knee or, you know, so I'm not really sure there, but punt returner, I have a feeling Jabril's going to get that job again. I really don't want to see him have that job given all he brings to the defense, but I think that's the direction they could potentially go with because there's really been nobody, you know, I know they've tried CJ board at the position, but I, I don't know. I mean, Jabril Peppers, he didn't do that badly last year. And I'm of the, the mindset, don't fix it if it ain't broke, you know? So Absolutely, yeah. no, he's no, he's definitely explosive. You know, he loves to uh, also have the football in his hands. He was a offensive weapon for the University of Michigan. And with the kick returner thing, I, I was saying that Deion Lewis last year was the returner. Right. So he's somebody that like that's the kind of mold the Giants are looking mm-hmm. for. Somebody safe, maybe not yes. somebody who has that explosive ability. Now, that's okay. just what they did in 2020. Doesn't mean they're going to do it this year. And that's I'm only saying that because that leads you to the Kadarius Tonys and the John mm-hmm. Rosses, if those guys are available, which is yeah. still yet to be determined. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that that position is still up for grabs, quite honestly. I mean, nobody's really kind of stepped up and said, hey, here I am. But well, maybe we'll we'll get some clues in this final preseason game as to what they might be thinking. But I think it's going to be Drabil as the punt returner. Um, maybe CJ Board takes on the kickoff returner role. The important thing is ball security. You know, ball that's security. that's that's a number one. And anything you get after that is just gravy. And you know, I think Peppers and CJ Board can give them that. Quite frankly, so. Um, so yeah, that's, that's something we'll see how that works out. Nick, before we sign off, let's just kind of really quickly recap. Where do you feel best about this roster? Where do you still have your concerns? I know we touched upon some of the concerns, but where else might you have some concerns as well as where do you feel best about this roster? So first we'll go with the good and then we'll go with the bad. Uh, I feel great about the safety position, as we said, defensive line. And if I had to name another one, if the edges are healthy, I feel solid about it. And that's mainly, well, I don't want to say it's mainly, but it's also because the edge position has been a problem for the Giants for a little bit, dating back to the Olivier Vernon, Jason Pierre-Paul days. And it wasn't that long ago, but it seems like a pretty long time ago. So as long as Lorenzo Carter and Aziz Ojolari and all these guys end up coming back healthy, I feel solid about that position. And if the wide receivers are healthy, I feel solid about that position, which is another position group that we haven't seen, I guess, dominate in a little bit for the New York Giants. Now, Areas of concern, obviously the offensive line across the board, very concerned about the offensive line. I think the linebackers don't have the depth behind Blake Martinez that I necessarily would like. Uh, Reggie, like we talked about Reggie Ragland, Tay Crowder, they can, they can perform their roles solidly, but I think they're both limited to an extent. And then Carter Coughlin is learning the position. And then right now the cornerback room, just because you have a star in James Bradbury, you have, Dory Jackson, who's dealing with an injury, I think he could be a, a really, really good cornerback, a really, really good find for the New York Giants if he's healthy and if he's right. 
And then you have a bunch of, as you said, quantity over quality with the guys like Madre Harper and Sam Beal and then Josh Jackson. I don't even know what you're getting out of him right now. Aaron Robinson's on the pup. So I would definitely have to highlight the cornerback position as one to monitor as being a slight concern. And then obviously the tight end position, which is another one that we didn't necessarily expect after the Giants signed Kyle Rudolph. Injuries happen in camp. You lose Levine Toilolo, who's somebody who... I feel like underwhelmed last year, but still provided like 26% of the snaps for this offense in the 12, 13 personnel packages and was a big body. You lose Rice and John, who was a promising receiving type of guy. I don't know if you would have saw the field. Then you'll lose Colvin Catini as well. So the tight end position definitely has to be thrown in there. Yeah, I think you covered it all. I mean, that that would be my, those would be my concerns as well. And, um, you know, the waiver wire is going to be very interesting to see what they do, who they grab who they're able to grab, you know, are they going to make some trades and uh, certainly Tuesday, you know, Tuesday's the cut down day. If I'm not mistaken, it's going to be a busy day and uh, get you, make sure you have extra coffee on hand because we're going to start early that morning, I'm sure. And go well into, you know, four o'clock, I think it's the, the claiming deadline and stuff like that, or the, the roster cut the deadline. And then I'm sure the, you know, the claims and all that stuff, going on into the evening. So it's kind of almost like the first day of free agency where, okay, what are you going to get? And what are you going to give up? And that sort of thing. So going to be wild. It's going to be wild. It's going to be fun though. It's gonna yeah. Be fun. Yeah. Speaking of fun, this was a lot of fun as always. I always love having you on. Um, this is a great exercise. And I think you and I put together solid roster options for the giants. We'll see if they listen to us. Let's hope. Let's hope with some of them. But I, I have a good feeling about the Giants and they can choose their guys wisely. And I'm a, I'm a fan of Joe Judge. I think his his judgment is going to be good. No pun intended there. No pun intended. Okay. <laughs> Sounds good to me. Nick, thank you so much for coming on with me and spending you know an hour plus going over the roster. Certainly appreciate it. Giant fans, make sure you keep it here on the Lockdown Giants podcast still to come. We're going to have David... Uh, Turner is going to be on the show who to kind of wrap up some of the personnel things that you know, that came out of uh, the pr- final preseason game. Then, of course, we will have a roster reaction show. So that means we're going to move Twitter Tuesday, probably to Thursday, I think. So if you want to get your questions in, check out the show notes. It'll tell you what to do, where to send them to. And of course, we will bring you all the latest on the New York Giants as they tweak the roster, as they start to get ready for week one of the regular season. So much coming up. Really excited. We have made it. The summer is just about over. Time for football to start. So on behalf of Nick Filato, thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. And we will talk to you again soon.